want Travis Dye everywhere this week just checks all the boxes on paper. Hello there. This is Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. Episode 62. Little Travis Dye action from last week there in that opening clip. Worked out pretty well. I thought that was actually a pretty good piece of advice, kind of pumping the brakes on a guy like Brees Hall at his high price saying, hey, there's other guys out there that have the same ceiling. Don't waste the money. And I think they all outperformed um, Hall anyway. So good savings there. But let's get to this week. Uh, We're coming back with an afternoon slate to start, as always. And then after, there's no two ways about it. We're on fire in the NFL. Um, Doctors, something like 14-5-1 in the last uh, four weeks. I think I'm 8-3 and three in the last two. So, oh no, what would be 7-3, I think. Anyway, whatever. Uh, doing a really nice job. And uh, we're going to try to see if we can continue that. But let's start in with the afternoon contest on DK. Only an afternoon contest again this week because they're just releasing these Saturday night slates too late in the week, and I have something to do on Friday, so by God, we're just sticking with one afternoon slate, and hopefully next week we can get back on schedule with the night contest as well. Let's go. Okay, welcome in one and all. We're in week nine here. It's a big boy board, 14 games. It's like an NFL board. Uh, Before we get into it, just want to reiterate, my main focus is to talk about um, value and guys that I think are low price that can get a good return on to help us afford all the higher price guys that we all know are likely to have very high statistical output. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about Caleb Williams for Oklahoma, for example. Um, So that's kind of my focus here as I talk through these games. And also, now that we're about you know nine weeks in, uh, the majority of the season has gone by. It's almost almost at maybe three quarters of the season. Some of these teams are, have kind of established pecking orders that I don't need to spend a ton of time. We know maybe the two or three guys that we can target in these offenses, and um, or there's just they're a really bad offense or a bad team. We don't need to talk about them at all. Uh, someone like Kansas, for example, not going to talk about them long when they're on a board. So I think I can get through these 14 games fairly quickly with the uh, points that need to be made. So let's just jump in and get through the games. First game, Texas Tech at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's one is 19 and a half over under 66 and a half. Um, clearly, Sir Thompson taking the clear uh, lead back spot over Taj Brooks for Texas Tech. The price is fair on him. He's in the high 6K range, as he should be. Uh, everyone else on Texas Tech, very touchdown dependent in this offense that isn't going to score many touchdowns. So we're just going to move on to Oklahoma. Wide receivers here, also very touchdown dependent in an offense that will score many TDs. So that's why I'm kind of back in on the Marvin Mims train. I think his price the beginning of the season was in the 7K range where I think it, it should be based on uh, his previous season, his high numbers from last year, and Rattler's performance from last year as well. Obviously, that didn't translate 
Rassler, Rattler now bench, Caleb Williams in. I think the ceiling on the offense is back up. I think Mims will emerge as the top receiver with Williams as well. And so I think at 5,900, I think it's just that price floor upside combo that we talk about each week. I think that's great at a wide receiver for Marvin Mims. So um, I think too, I think last week, another thing kind of took the first half off maybe a little bit versus Kansas. It happens. I think you can clearly reinvest back in this offense and they're definitely worth it. So uh, let's move on to Texas at Baylor. Baylor minus three over under 61 at receiver with Texas. Jordan Winnington still out. In fact, he's out for season now. I think Joshua Moore at 4,800 and Marcus Washington at 3,300 should benefit the most. Washington had two catches for 66 yards two weeks ago. The 66 yards led the team. So I think he's a guy at 3,300. If you're looking really digging deep in this range, I think he's really worth a, a good look as a building block piece at the wide receiver position. Uh, you definitely know I feel comfortable he's going to come away with something. Both offenses should approach maybe 30 points in this game. So I feel comfortable enough that he's going to get maybe that 3-4 catch, 40-50 yard floor and have pretty reasonable upside to come away with more um, in this game. So that's someone definitely to consider at 3,300. Marcus Washington, if you need it, CMP candidate, contest minimum price that is, Calvante Dixon, a uh, little more speculative play here, but Sarkeesian said that he should get much more of an opportunity now too with Whittington out. So he's a guy who was talked about in fall camp, um, who was having a really nice uh, practices and kind of was just being mentioned by name a lot. Uh, they liked what they were seeing from him. So maybe he gets more opportunity and it starts now this week against Baylor. So those are the guys I want to, you to consider on the Texas side. On the Baylor side, um, I think there's some nice upside and a, and a great matchup for the Baylor offense this week. The guy that I talked about last season who I thought was going to merge that wide receiver one with the departure of Denzel Mims to the pros was Tyquan Thornton. I think he's now established himself as that wide receiver one for uh, their quarterback, Baylor. Uh, he leads the team in receptions, yards, and touchdowns now by a pretty wide margin. So I think him at 6K, I believe it is, I think he's another great price floor upside combo at receiver in a nice matchup here against Texas. Uh, other guys, the second year guy, Sneed, I think has value. Uh, 4,700 is a wide receiver too. And then tight end Ben Sims, he has four touchdowns in six games this season. He's at 3,700. I think in that range, he's definitely someone you should consider. Also, Swiss Army, I've trusted Ebner at 4,300. Pretty decent um, price floor upside combo at the running back position. Again, very hard to find uh, running backs that can be productive after the the 65k range something like that just because the more you go down the less the boxes are being checked i think ebner at least is going to get probably around 15 touches he's involved in the run and the pass game um and he's kind of a, a big he's like a big play guy so also returns punts and kicks i believe um so someone to consider i think it's hard to find that value at running back so decent price there let's move on to tc at kansas state kansas state minus three and a half over under 58 and a half uh, wide receiver J.D. Spielman for TCU has retired. And even though he was serving as the fourth, fifth option in the receiving core, um, I think maybe guys like Darius Davis 
could uh, benefit also Blair Conright. They're at 38 and 3200 respectively. So not that it's going to be a huge impact without Spielman, but I think those are the guys that may benefit the most if you're looking um, for guys to target in this range at receiver. I think they could make sense here in a pretty nice matchup with Kansas State. Uh, the big three is established on this team. However, it's Zach Evans at running back, Quentin Johnston at receiver, and of course, Max Duggan. Those are the three guys. They're fairly priced. Let's move on to Kansas State. Nothing changes with them week to week. It's Deuce Vaughn or bust. And, you know, 9,400 now he's up to. Uh, I don't know if that's optimal, but look, the, the matchup is right. Um, checks all the boxes. He's kind of almost their number one receiver, really, to be honest. I think he, if he's not first in yards and catches, he's very close. Uh, so, yeah, I... 9,400, sure, why not? If you can find a way to afford him, um, yeah, he's probably going to have a pretty big game here. TCU's defense, tough uh, going for them. So let's move on to Cincy at Tulane. Cincy minus 24.5, over under 62. Uh, tight end Josh Wiley broke out a little 462 touchdown line last week. Uh, he remains at 3,700. Maybe it's, you know, sign of things to come for him. He's just had been a, had a really quiet season. We've talked about them have really crazy game flow in a lot of their games where they're just not needing to pass the ball a lot. So uh, this could be another game like that as a huge favorite. But um, maybe it's it's something that sign that he's kind of reconnecting with uh, Ritter in the in the past game, and uh, he's going to have a nice little season down the stretch here. But their big three is established by far. It's uh, Alec Pierce at receiver, Jerome Ford at running back, and Ritter of course at quarterback. I think um, Jerome Ford I think up to nine K. I think if you can figure out a way to afford some of these guys, they, they have they check all the boxes, right? They have the role, they have the, the biggest script, they're big favorites, they're going to be running the ball a lot. So if you can find a way, I would still play them. Other than that, uh, on the Tulane side, I'd love to offer like hot takes about the Green Wave offense, but uh, we're, we're out on the Green Wave this week. Let's move on to Iowa State and West Virginia. Iowa is minus 7 over under 48. Uh, if I'm playing any 9K running back, Hall would probably be the last one um, just because of what we talked about. I, I just think these being in these Big 12 kind of more, uh, you know, yuck, just kind of a three yards in a cloud of dust in some of these games. It's just really low scoring. The totals um, aren't high. And I would rather have uh, the aforementioned Jerome Ford or um, Deuce Vaughn if I was having to spend that money up in the running back range. Uh, just kind of like we talked about last week. On the other side, with um, oh, and we know we know the other guys with um, Iowa State. It's uh, Brock Purdy, Xavier Hudson. We know those guys. Um, if you find a way to get them in. I think they're a fair price. Go for it. And the other guy I wanted to mention too, as far as this 9K range for Brees Hall, um, was Travis Dye again. He's at 8,700, and Kennedy Brooks at 8,400. I think they have much better matchups. Um, and, and just have the all check the more the boxes on paper that you need to spend that kind of money. So I'd rather have both those guys than Hall this week. On the other side, as always for West Virginia, it's Letty Brown or Bust. Um, Westva and KSU are CFB DFS Spider-Man mean. That's what they are. Um, they have they're just they might have some value in the receivers, but you're never gonna know where it's gonna come from. It's a, just a total guess. So uh, let's go to the next game. It's Duke at Wake Forest. Wake is minus 16.5 over under of 70. So wide receivers Jake Bobo and Jalen Calhoun, their prices should be flipped. 
Uh, outside of their shutout loss last game against Virginia, Bobo has at least five catches in every game, at least seven in four of seven games this year. So he's really the go-to guy for uh, Gunnar Holmberg. Even though I don't love Gunnar Holmberg, uh, I think that Wake is winning games with offense, not defense. Uh, they gave up 517 yards and 34 points to Louisville, 514 yards, 37 points to Syracuse, and 595 yards and 56 to Army in their last three games. So, um, yeah, I actually like Bobo a lot at 5,600. Really nice price floor ceiling combo here. Uh, so I think he's someone to consider playing at the wide receiver position for Duke. The only other playable option is Mateo Durant, and uh, he's at 7,700. I think he could have some nice value too here as well. On the wake side, probably my favorite price floor upside combo at any position on the board is running back Christian Beal Smith for Wake Forest at 5,100. I think this is kind of just a mispriced because of their last few games, um, they've been getting big plays in the pass game and scoring most of the points that way. But I still think Beal Smith in this matchup as a, as a heavy favorite, he checks all those boxes. He is the lead back for this team. You're going to get at least 15, 20 touches from this guy. Um, they're going to be scoring a ton of points. I just really, at 5,100, I think that's really nice value at that position, right? Like I said before, hard to find this kind of combination um, at this price, at this position. So, love Christian Beal Smith this week for Wake Forest. And then, wide receiver Jakari Roberson, who I've been talking about all years, finally priced appropriately, I think, at the 7,600 mark. And uh, he's probably worth it. Had another monster game against Army last week, and he's just proven to be one of the best receivers, uh, not only in the ACC, but maybe uh, nationwide as well. That's all for that game. Let's go to Miami at Pitt. Miami, or sorry, Pitt, minus 9.5, over under a 61.5. So for Miami, it's a wide receiver Charleston Rambo, a bust for me. Price is just too high on running back Jalen Knighton at 7,900. When I could get um, other guys we talked about already well in the same range, that I think just uh, check a lot more boxes. This is a little tougher matchup for Miami. And this is also coming from their last game where they beat NC State. He had a really nice game. And I, I, I think it's just kind of recency bias from that one week um, where he got just really nice game. He was really involved in the pass game as well, but I, that was a little better matchup. I don't like it that much this year. Not for 7,900. It's just not way too much for him. So that's all I want to say about Miami. On the other side, the big story is the status of wide receiver Jordan Addison and running back Israel Abanakand. So they're out. Both questionable to play right now. Uh, in fact, Oh, what's his name? Narduzzi, Pat Narduzzi. Uh, head coach said very questionable to play earlier in the week. So if they're out, Taser Mack would be the guy to benefit the most. He would probably be the de facto wide receiver one for Kenny Pickett. He's at 4,700. He's proven in spots before going back to last season that he can produce really good games when given the opportunity. So I think he's definitely someone to consider if these guys are out. And then Jared Wayne would be the kind of the secondary guy that I think could have a nice game at 4K at receiver as well. For the running back situation, um, it would be Vincent Davis and Ronnie Hammond Jr. benefiting the most. I like Hammond Jr. a little bit more than I like Vincent Davis. Um, he's averaging 5.8 yards per carry on the season. He's a true freshman, been productive every time he's been given the opportunity. Vincent Davis has had all the opportunity he can handle. He's kind of been the you know, the Robin to the 
have been a kind of Batman. He's averaged 3.3 yards per carry. There just hasn't really been able to do much when he's been given the opportunity. So I think if Abanacana is out, Ronnie Hammond going to get um, probably anywhere from 15 touches. I think he'd do a lot more damage in a really plus matchup here. At 4,200, again, really hard to find that kind of upside and floor at the running back position with that price. So like Ronnie Hammond, the junior, the most, if Abanacana is out, and but both will probably have value in a really nice matchup, good Vegas script as well. That is all for that game. Next, Colorado at Oregon. This should go quick. Uh, Oregon is 24-point favorites, over under 49. We're out on the Buffaloes. No explanation needed. On the Oregon side, Travis Dine, Anthony Brown are probably the only playable options. We've talked about the wide receivers. It's kind of like West Virginia. There could be value here um, in a nice matchup. It's just too volatile and consistent, too touchdown dependent to really uh, offer any suggestions, even though I think their prices are solid. The one guy I think I want to keep monitoring is their stud freshman, Troy Franklin. He had three catches for 23 yards last week. He's at 3,400, so I think there could be kind of somewhat of a breakout game this year at some point, and maybe that's this week against um, the hapless Buffaloes of Colorado. So that's all for that game. Let's move on to Purdue at Nebraska. Nebraska, seven and a half point favorites over under 52 and a half. Uh, the Nebraska D allowed 212 yards, 6.2 yards per carry, that is, three touchdowns to Michigan running backs, 198 yards, 5.4 yards per carry, and one touchdown to Minnesota running backs. My point is, King Daru at 4,300 has proven to be productive at the right spots in the right matchups at running back when he's getting to for Purdue. He should have, again, another 15, 20 touches. He's involved in the pass game. I think at 4,300, again, he's one of those guys at the running back position that we've been talking about so far. Um, I think he has a chance to be productive in um, a nice matchup here. Like I said, the Nebraska Rundy has not been very good as of late. Other than that, um, David Bell and Titan Payne Durham, only other playable options for Purdue on the Nebraska side. Uh, tight end Austin Allen had a career game uh, last time out with 121 yards, five catches, and a touchdown. He's at 4,400, so maybe someone to consider there in the Nebraska offense. I've talked about Oliver Martin in the past. I just don't know the status of his of him playing. He's at 3,600. I like him, but he needs to kind of prove it in order to kind of be worthy of consideration for our purposes. Uh, only other playable options in Nebraska are Adrian Martinez at quarterback and Ramir Johnson at running back. Prices are fair. Do your thing there. Next game, it is U of M at my Spartans. U of M is minus four over under 50 and a half. Story remains the same for Michigan, uh, for DFS purposes at least. It's just Blake Corm and Hassan Haskins are the only guys you can play here. It's just a very run-heavy offense, and nothing is consistent in the pass game. Rotating quarterbacks always a kiss of death for fantasy purposes. So pass on any quarterback and receiver combo there. MSU, I think there's a little bit of um, recency bias with their last game being a little bit of a struggle a couple weeks ago against Indiana. Then the bye week, not seeing them last week. So I think you're getting a little bit of value uh, with their big three, Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, and Kenneth Walker, especially in the case of Jaden Reed at 6,100. 
normally early on in the season, he was routinely in the 7K range where I think he still belongs. But um, again, like I said, I think those two factors are kind of a rough game two weeks ago in the bye week, not seeing them again next week. I think they're kind of flying a little bit under the radar with these prices for MSU. That said, it should be their toughest matchup defensively of the season. So I don't know if I want to pump the brakes here a little bit, but I would say out of all those guys, I like Jaden Reed at 6,100 the best. Um, Kenneth Walker, maybe kind of just monitor him this week, see if they can get something going against a, a better front than they've faced in most weeks. So let's move on to Georgia versus Florida in Jacksonville. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party, I believe, is the uh, name of this game. Georgia is minus 14.5, over under a 50.5. We're rotating QBs at Florida, so we're out on those guys. And their receivers can't do it. Um, and we're also rotating quarterbacks now, I think, in Georgia. Oh, I think uh, Kirby Smart said earlier in the week, both Stenson Bennett and JT Daniels will see game time. And I thought, okay, well, easy decision there. Can't play a rotating quarterback in DFS. So um, very simple here. I think the only guy I'm considering playing in this game at all is Zamir White at running back for Georgia. He's scored, I think, in the last, at least one touchdown in the last six games. Um, even though I, I still don't completely trust uh, rotations for Georgia at running back, with James Cook in there uh, uh, quite a bit. I, I think he's getting enough volume, and this game also should probably have normal four quarters of game flow for Georgia, I'm thinking. It has to be one of their smaller spreads of the season. So um, I would consider Zamir White at 6K, and that's the other part too. 6K is not a huge price to pay for what um, the floor he offers and potential upside as well. So uh, yeah, look, it's just a bad matchup. There's better games for DFS purposes. So let's get out of here and go to FSU at Clemson. Clemson's minus nine and a half over under a 47. We got shaky play um, against a solid D for FSU. So besides just Sean Corbin, we're out on the Seminoles this week. On the Clemson side, uh, QB1. Also, uh, reports are saying that uh, his backup, I, I'm not even going to try to do the name. I can't think of it. And it's, uh, I, I, I saw it earlier, and I, I don't know if I could even pronounce it if I tried the first time. So, point is, is we're out on Clemson altogether. Um, not sure what the status is of Will Shipley and, and Kobe Pace. So, it's too, again, just a bad offense. It's been bad all year. Too volatile. Uh, nothing really has emerged as anything clear strength so yeah there's just again there's better places um, better matchups better games to invest our valuable cfb dfs dollars in so let's get out of here and go to indiana at maryland maryland's minus five and a half over under 49 and a half indiana the only guys playable are peyton hendershot and ty freifogel again um i still don't know who the qb is going to be now uh Tuttle is out, I believe, as well. And Michael Penix are both uh, either out or highly questionable. I know the, the only next guy is like a true freshman, so probably out. Again, there's just better, more reliable spots to put our money in. On the Maryland side, I still really like Rakeem Jarrett uh, with all the injuries that Maryland's had at receiver. He's at 5,400. Uh, the guy who was their better receiver last was Marcus Fleming. 
He had he went for 562 in one last week. He's at 4,500. So if you're looking to kind of take advantage of an average to poor Indiana defense and with the receiver of Maryland, it'd be Rakeem Jarrett and Marcus Fleming are your best bets. I prefer Jarrett. I think he's going to have a big game at some point. And that's all because of if, if Talia Tagovailoa can't do it against Indiana this week, I don't know what matchup is going to work for him. So this is if you're going to do Maryland this week, if you're going to do Talia Tagovailoa, I think this is the week you got to uh, give him a look. Last game. Uh, go quick here. Iowa to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's minus three and a half over under of a whopping 36 and a half. We are setting football back three generations. This game is gross. Um, Tyler Goodson, Braylon Allen, Ches Malusi are the only playable options. That said, if you asked me, because of their prices, what running backs would I play price below them that I like more than that I think can have a chance to outproduce them? I would play Zamir White over those guys. I would play Christian Beale Smith over the guys. I'd play King Daru over those guys. And probably if Evan Akanda is out for Pitt, I'd probably play one of their running backs as well over all these guys. Uh, when you got it over under 36 and a half, um, that's just enough said there. So uh, that is the 14 game board. I did it, you did it, we did it. Next up, NFL picks. Stick around, we on fire. But uh, if not, hey, good luck and thanks for listening, guys. It is week eight in the NFL. As always, joined by my uh, confidant, partner in crime here, the doctor. Doctor, how you doing? Uh, doing great, Bob. Uh, got a big weekend ahead of us. Starts off tomorrow with uh, a little Halloween parade for the two-year-old at school. Yeah, wow. be a big Friday, and then uh, of course we have uh, Michigan, Michigan State on Saturday, which we are both very much looking forward to. Yeah, we, I was a little confused that it starts tomorrow, and I was like, "What's tomorrow?" <laughs> well, Bob, it's a big <laughs> Halloween parade. Come on, right? <laughs> they, they line up, they walk around for. 10 minutes and not even probably five minutes and then and there'll be some crying with the costumes and look over <laughs> here yeah yeah all that great stuff yeah hey i just spent um a few days around my two-year-old niece in florida yeah. that was that was very was enjoyable i opened experience i'm sure went to a, a local carnival actually oh nice yeah nice. that was i i just kind of watched i kind of looked around the crowd and it was a lot of moms with their little kids wanting to get pictures and a lot of dads standing around not looking too let's just say the excitement level is a little bit less in the in the 85 degree uh 90 humidity day yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Been there. it was slightly less excitement from the dads that's all i can that's all i can take away <laughs> but um either way uh yeah you know saturday should be fun we'll talk about it maybe a little bit later but let's talk about us Okay. Look at us. Look at look, us. Look at us. <laughs> that stupid gift. Look at us. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> what is it? Who's that? Uh, Paul Rudd and uh, Paul yeah, Rudd. Yeah. <laughs> look at us. Look, look at us. us now. Look at us <laughs> yeah. now. Not me. Not me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Who would have thunk it? NFL Week Eight. Um, last week, myself was three and two. 
Uh, now brings me to 16, 18, and 1, uh, roaring back to 500. I'm uh, 8 and 2 over the last two weeks. The Doctor, 4 and 1 last week, um, that brings you also to 16, 18, and 1 on this podcast. And, and after the infamous 0 and 5 week in week 3, now 14, 5, and 1 over the last four. Red. Hottest pod in the country. It, 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 it very well make it. I mean, it really is. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're uh, flying high after a rough start. And uh, let's see if we can keep it going. Last week yeah. overall. So, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, it just, it, look, we were accountable for our first few weeks. We went back to work and, and we've been grinding and we're getting it done. That's it. We held ourselves accountable and we, we got better and we're going to keep it going. And your model is starting to, um, recognize certain trends so. the COVID and all that stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so uh overall trends in the nfl uh last week the favorites uh a losing week six and seven overall in the season the favorites are down 49 56 and one home road against the spread big week for the home teams against the spread it was their first winning week they were 10 and three uh, that brings them to 47-57-1 on the season. And as you would imagine, home favorites last week, 6-3 and three overall. That brings them to 27-37 on the year. Home dogs, 4-0 and oh last week. That brings them to an even 20-20-1 on the season. And then uh, probably one of the trends we've talked about a lot on this pod this season is favorites, substantial favorites, we consider to be by 7 or greater there was five of them last week. They were four and one. That brings them to 20 and 11 overall on the season. There was zero outright losses amongst those substantial favorites. There's only been one so far this year. That was Tennessee at uh, the Jets earlier in the season, which, of course, I had Tennessee that week. And then this week we have uh, 15 games. There's nine home favorites, six home dogs, four substantial favorites in the uh, case of Cincy. Rams, the Bills, and the Chiefs. Doctor, how's the board looking? Where are you going with your first pick? Yeah, I don't know. It was. It just felt like an interesting board this week. Um, I've got a, a lot of dog shit games on here that I'm, <laughs> that I'm gonna be uh, getting in on. So let's start uh, in Atlanta. Um, Heartbreak for me last week. Atlanta won the game by by two. I think it was two and a half. Um, but they are could, playing better. So could, could have made you a five in a week. Could, yeah, could have made you five in a week. Uh, so Carolina, Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta three. Um, your Panthers are are lost, and the Falcons have been found. Um, look, the Panthers defense is still somehow ranked in, in top ten in a lot of categories. Uh, but a lot of that is related to the, the first three games of the schedule where they played the Jets, the Saints, the Texans. Uh, they gave up 14, 7, and 9 and only 252 yards, 128 yards, and 193 yards when they got off to that, that great start. Last four games against the Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, and Giants. 36, 21, 34, 25 points in those games. Yards. 433, 273, 571, and 302. Uh, they've only fa- forced three turnovers. 
And that defense is in really rough shape. I mean, part of it is they're not playing good football. And, of course, the other side of the ball has not been good, which always makes it tougher to play defense. Um, you know, more problems they're facing this week. Matt Ryan and the Falcons offense has been playing pretty well. They're 10th uh, in yards per game in passing, third least in sack, third least in pick, being picked. So, you know, they're not making a lot of mistakes there. They're getting what they want. Uh, last four games, he has a rating of 110 and three of those last four. Ten TDs, one interception. So yeah, they're playing well. Uh, that Carolina defense is in full decline. I think we both know the Atlanta defense isn't good, but the Panthers' offense might be worse. Obviously, Darnold went. They sat Darnold last week. I just don't see them keeping up, and I expect the Falcons to put up 30-plus points this week. Uh, Atlanta seems to be in this world where they're beating the teams they should beat. And the Carolina Panthers have turned into one of those uh, the last four weeks. Maybe not the first three weeks. last four weeks, it's a team you should beat. So I'm all over Atlanta minus three. Uh, throw in the Panthers are one in five as underdogs in their last six games. Um, and so it's Atlanta minus three uh, all day. Sorry okay. about the Panthers. Yeah, I know. I, I am too. I don't know if you can tell, but there's some weird... Uh... Mm-hmm. Some sort of party bus outside, or I don't, I don't know what's going on. Big city life right there. Yep. I yep. just grinded right through it. I heard it. I just, I just I got right through it. Just I was very, it. very just... excited to hear that. Very excited. <laughs> uh, what, what are you guys doing? All right. So, uh, what? look, I, I think uh, I didn't pick this game. Um, I probably would have been on that side. Uh, clearly, obviously, life without CMC has is, is not been treating Darnold so well. And, um, you know, it's 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 been a tough tough look for him. Like you said, got got benched last week, I think. So, yep. Um, and I think maybe maybe uh, having Calvin Ridley sit for a week was the best thing that ever happened to yeah Kyle Pitts and, hot, and Matt Ryan. Hot. They kind of started made a connection, and now I think they he's kind of has some trust and some uh, chemistry with him. So. Getting him there with Calvin Ridley, I, I think you're right. I think this offense is actually, um, you know, going to be a, a decent offense to deal with week to week. So, yeah, it's weird to say weapons though, right? So if Pitts yeah. play well, and then Cordell, right? He's got he's got some yeah value there. He's great at throwing Ridley, and, and you know Matt Ryan's to be playing well. I do want to just take us back to week one. I, I think you said uh, related to Sam Darnold, uh, Carolina has got their guy. <laughs> think that's what you said you just go back and check the tape i think it was carolina's got their guy are we still standing by that uh well now that they're actively trying to trade for sean watson i'm not really <laughs> sure um okay let's I'll, get to your first one <laughs> i'll just say i'll just say this i think i think it's very obvious that not having not him not having being able to rely on cmc just sure. it it, 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 it He's not he's not going to win games by himself is basically like he's not that type of quarterback. I think CMC back and effective. I think he actually would look fine. But um, yeah, it's not the case anymore. So it, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, have they found their quarterback? That's a great, uh, great line about me. I'll have to go back and look. All right. Um, like I mentioned, um, you know, heavy favorites has been kind of a a trend here against the spread. We, we talked about the chasm between kind of these, you know, the, the top maybe eight or nine teams in the rest of the league, really. Um, it's not even it's not even the bottom teams. I think it's just the rest of the league. I think there's eight or nine really good teams, and the rest of the league is either mediocre or, or very bad. 
So that set, um, the Rams had their kind of struggle bus week against, uh, you know, former quarterback Jared Goff and our Lions last week where played really tough for a few quarters and, you know, trying to make it interesting. And Rams still won, but uh, we're not able to cover the big number. But I think this week is where you get back in on them covering that big number. They're minus 14 and a half. And kind of a theme I've been talking about going back to, to last week with like Tampa. I think you just have to pick and choose these weeks where, yeah, they're going to be minus a bunch of points all the time this year. And you kind of have to pick your spots with them. And I'm picking my spots with the Rams here. Uh, minus 14 and a half against a very poor Texas team, as we all know. And I just want to ask you a question, doctor. Five games as a starter with Davis Mills. How many offensive touchdown drives of 50 yards or greater do you think they've had? Two against the Patriots. There was there was two against the Patriots. Well, there you go. Look at that. There, that was, there was there was one other one. So the uh, total okay. is the total is three, and I think <laughs> one of those I think one of those against the Patriots is a flea flicker. So. Um, <laughs> So there, there you go. Three offensive touchdown drives with 50 yards or greater in five starts for Davis Mills. Um, look, they, again, talk about there's a difference between playing bad or not being good or just not being capable. And, um, yeah, I think this is a spot where the 14 and a half does not bother me. I'm just going to go Rams minus 14 and a half as my first pick. Okay. My, my second one is going to mirror much of what you just said. Miami at Buffalo. Buffalo. Uh, laying the the 14 I, I think you already laid it out pretty well that these 14 point games which in the past feel like a lot of points just they don't feel the same way this year against against certain teams so um yeah that's i mean it's, it's the same approach that you have there's no real reason to dig into stats or analysis i think miami stinks i think buffalo is great um they've already beat them 35-0 this season um so yeah it's buffalo minus 14 it's that, it's that simple Okay, the, the only thing with that game, and I looked at that game and kind of thought, the only reason I would kind of just be a little bit hesitant is Tua has been decent uh, since he's come back. He hasn't – I mean, the, offensively, they're not they're not losing games because of him, really. So I I, mm-hmm. I just thought I just thought maybe he could put up enough points to cover the 14. But as you said, Buffalo, uh, they've been arguably the best team in football. So Did Tua play week two? He possibly did, yes. He, he got, he got, is that, that's the game he got hurt in, I believe. Let's, let's see. I know, uh, yeah, I think it was, but let's see. That's the game he got hurt in. Yeah, yeah, he got hurt early. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, I, I, but he's been, he's actually been pretty good the last couple weeks, but uh, look, I, I, that was the stay away from me. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see, uh, how that will go with that big, big number. Um, Doctor, my next pick. Sometimes you just have to look at the teams and go, look, I think these teams are maybe even, maybe they're both just bad, and you got to pick the better QB. And that is why I am taking the Jacksonville Jaguars plus three against Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. We've talked about Seattle in the past. We've talked about how how it is so it's, – it's such a – it's so built on – Russell Wilson being phenomenal. That's that's their foundation. 
And now you're seeing it without him, right? Like this, it's that bad. Um, and uh, Trevor Lawrence, just talk about his kind of first six games as a pro. First three games, passer rating, 70, 37, 68. Uh, also had seven interceptions across those three games. Next three games, passer rating, 96, 92, 93. Mm-hmm. Only one interception. Um, and I'm, I want to ask you another question here. Um, Trevor Lawrence in six games has been sacked ten times. Geno Smith has had two starts. How many times do you think he's been sacked? More than ten. It's it's ten. <laughs> it's, ten. it's ten. So, look, I, I, just, I think we all probably watched. If you did watch that primetime game um, on, I, I believe it was mo- Monday. Night, yeah, it was what, bad. It, it's yeah. just it's it's bad. It's it's bad. And so, look, I, I think I've already talked about Seattle in the past. Like we, we have talked about them consistently. We've talked about how that is a not a good team. It's mediocre or very bad around Russell Wilson. Um, same with Jacksonville. It's a bad team, right? <laughs> not, the players around the quarterback aren't good, but I'm just picking who I think is the better quarterback, and I already think Trevor Lawrence is absolutely much better than Geno Smith. So Jacksonville plus three. Uh, yes, that is my third pick. And if you <laughs> actually look at my – synopsis here uh it, it mirrors much of what you <laughs> what you just said i had the passer rating in there uh you know, how much better he's been how bad gino is how both these teams stink so i'm going with lawrence a uh, cu- couple of things I, I will throw in um you know there's a weird thing about this game in perception too because you look at it i just think most people gravitate towards seattle as like an easy play so it, it feels like a contrarian play but then when you start to think about it it's it's not really it's not so I like I like the it's like a double up for me like it's still viewed as contrarian I, I'm sure if you look at the public play people are still jumping on Seattle but if you look deeper into the football side of it I have no problem saying that Jacksonville is going to get this done yeah especially when you throw in so Seattle's pass defense uh, six worse in yards per game um, their and sack percentage they've only forced two picks so for a young quarterback who's playing better. And now was playing better and won't be under much pressure against this Seattle team. I think that's even it's a bit bigger case for um, for Jacksonville. So so I'm with you. Much of what you just said. Hopefully, I add a little more there. Jacksonville plus three is my my third pick. Okay. Plus, you know, no nobody goes against Herb off of off of Biden. Um, no, no, <laughs> right. no. How dare you? Yeah. Nobody. Um, all right. Third pick for me. Um. Not a team I've had a lot of uh, success with. But the Broncos are my story. <laughs> Can't see which way you go here. Uh, this, is, uh, this will be my fourth game. Great. Oh, man. Um, everyone takes Seattle, by the way. Just so you yeah. know. Right. <laughs> everyone takes Seattle. Uh, Broncos minus three. Getting healthier. Von Miller is going to be back for this game. Uh, they're expected to have Jerry Judy at back at wide receiver. Big boost on both sides of the ball. The Broncos have lost four straight after starting 3-0. and There's no better time to have a get-right game than when you play the Washington football team. Um, we've talked about them uh, many weeks. They are now 
headed for their second straight week, back-to-back road games, one traveling to the Midwest last week. Now they're going out to mile high even further. I just think uh, it's it's a tough putt for them. And I, I think the, the Broncos are kind of due to get back in the win column. This is the perfect week to do it against a, I think, just a bad team. I mean, we, we've talked about them. The defense is supposed to be the strength. The defense is just not very good. So, Sticks. Sticks. yeah. It's like one of the worst pass defense in the league. It's just, it's awful. Yeah, so. It, 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 yeah. Terrible. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I, I like uh, I like Broncos getting a little healthier, getting some of their playmakers back, and uh, taking care of business at home, minus three. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay the three points with the Denver Broncos. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. It's weird that we picked both these dog shit games, but they're the ones that are that are speaking to us and I think we're just especially in, in this game we're just betting against the, the shitty team. And Washington is awful. There's not one yes. positive thing you can say about Washington. Um, you just you can't think of one. So also you know, this is maybe a bit of a hot seat game for uh, Vic Bangio and staff there in Denver. Um, you know they, they can't afford to lose this one and go to three and five and pretty much end their season. Um, there's no reason you can't beat a the Washington football team like this. So they've had, uh, whatever it is, 10 days to, to get ready after that Thursday night loss. So I'm with you. Denver minus three. Also throw in that Washington is one and eight ATS in the last nine games and oh, and five ATS as underdogs in their last five games. So some betting trends in our, in, uh, Denver's favor as well. I like that. That that's hot. It's hot. So look at that back-to-back games for us. Are we going to get a third here? Match a third? Uh, well, I guess I'll go next um, yeah. to get into my fourth game. And um, you know how there's like the home. You know how Vegas sets these lines. Usually, if teams are evenly matched, they generally will throw out just a minus three to the home team. Just kind of that's that's a general trend. Yeah. Yes, I do, and I. Are you going to the Chargers game? No, no, I'm not. Okay, all right. I'm not doing that. I was just happy to see that Vegas said, hey, we don't even know if Baker Mayfield is going to start for the Browns. But here, Ben, have an extra hook. Because <laughs> you stink that bad. We're just going to give you a hook to add on to it. And we don't even know. The Browns could trot out. Clifford the Big Red Dog at quarterback. We don't. Hey, I just read that book last night, Clifford the Big Red Dog Halloween Special. Fantastic. (laughs) One of my favorites is a child. Yeah, he likes to be a ghost, just so you know, at the end. He wants to be a ghost. Well, I I wasn't, I don't know. That might be a 2021 version. Uh, (laughs) I I used to celebrate the entire collection, but I can't speak to the ghost. Um, (laughs) Unbelievable reference, Bob. That was unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so look. Uh, listen, that's how bad it's become for Pittsburgh is that they're just getting three and a half and no one knows who's playing quarterback for the Browns. Um, and I'll say something about their defense that I think people aren't kind of looking at a lot is that the Browns defense has become a much improved. They're second in the league against the run, allowing 80 yards per game. I mean, that that's elite rushing numbers that recipe for Ben. So putting him projecting him in a lot of third downs, third and longs against miles Garrett licking his chops. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good for anybody. So, um, 
I have the Browns minus three and a half. I think last Thursday they proved, even without their top two stud running backs, they had uh, what Jarenis Johnson. He went off for like 176 total yards. These guys can run the ball on anyone. So um, I am going Cleveland minus three and a half, uh, no matter who plays quarterback for them. That is yeah, my fourth pick. You're just trying to support your Big Ben narrative. I'm not trying to support it. It's, it's true. It might be true now. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> for those that don't recall, Bob was calling for Big Ben to retire like three years ago. And it was that, I, it's, I, not from last year. It was, it, no, it was at least two years ago. Come on. Oh you God. trickled into yeah, the 2019 season, too. You've been well, saying was, it for years. He also said Tom Brady should retire two years ago as well. That's because I oh wanted to see him going on top. Andrew, Andrew like, Brees. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. My fifth and final game is uh, New England at um, the Chargers. Uh, Chargers lead five. Uh, the Bolts have a lot of things going for them coming out of this one. So they're coming off a bye. Uh, they had that embarrassment uh, against the Ravens the last time they took the field. Uh, they were embarrassed by the hoodie last year, uh, 45-0 to zero, uh, in, the, in the one game they played last year. So there certainly has to be an extra emphasis uh, on a W here for, for the Bolts. Um, you know, the, the New England defense, I just don't think they're very good. Uh, they've had favorable matchups against the Jets twice, Texans, and Dolphins. And the game they played against TB12 was in the rain. Uh, and so their defensive yeah. statistics and points per game, all that stuff looks okay. And the two normal condition games against two competent offenses, they got carved by the Saints and the Cowboys, giving up 28 and 35 and gave up 560 yards of offense to the Cowboys. So, you know, the Chargers, they've shown they can make plays. uh, They can score. They're going to be well-focused, rested for this one. Um, And in their last three weeks, the Chargers have converted 45% of third down attempts, which would be like fifth in the league and are scoring touchdowns on uh, above 80% of the red zone visits, which will be uh, make for a tough day for the for the New England defense. So on the other side of the ball, Mac Jones definitely has definitely looked better, um, but I think a lot of that's come against softer teams um, when there's been a little less pressure. Um, they haven't had to you know, really – I guess they really have to against the Texans, but just di- different environment. When he's played against the competent ones – like Tampa Bay and New Orleans, it, it hasn't been hasn't been great. Uh, Cross country tip here. I just I think he he's getting better. Good for him. I think this is kind of a step back game for him where he struggles a little bit. And and I like the Chargers you know, bouncing back in this one. So Chargers minus five, and there are my five. Yeah, I uh, I looked at this game. I didn't um, didn't pick it, but that's the side I would be on if I did. Uh, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. So, um, yeah, go Chargers. Let's get on to my last pick. And kind of like I talked about with these uh, top eight or nine teams, I think you're going to have to pick your spots where you go for them and you have to go against them. And um, even though I don't, don't love doing it, sometimes you just have to, you have to go with maybe against the public and, and do your thing. So the Saints. Crabs. Crab Yeah, and that's the thing. Crab legs versus TB12. What am I thinking? Um, it's a plus five and a half. Right now, Tampa Bay is, 
I would say on a couple sites, it's around 70, 30 as far as percentage of bets, which is, you know, I, I, I kind of would expect doesn't surprise me. Um, so I think it's kind of a, a play where you're going to be getting a lot of calls for Tampa this week. Anytime they're under a touchdown, I, of course, it, it makes sense. Uh, so, but I, what I'm saying is that like, I think you need to catch these teams on the right weeks to go against them. I think this might be one of those weeks like we talked about a few weeks ago with Cincy and Green Bay. Like that was one of those weeks where you go, okay, this is the game. If they're going to lose three or four games, this might be one of them. So I'm thinking this could be one of them with the Saints. Um, other than this game, at Indy and versus the Bills at home might be the only games on their schedule where they possibly could even lose. Um, if, if, if you go and look at it, there's really not a whole lot of games left where they're they would be projected, not projected, but they're going to have a chance to lose. So um, I think I'm going to try to catch them this week. I'm going to take the Saints plus the points. Also, just to mention, divisional game here. Uh, D played Brady tough, very tough in three games last year. Uh, they went one and two against, or Brady went one and two against the Saints last year. In those games, total offense, 316, 314. 194, not great numbers. They picked them off five times. So I think this New Orleans D is, is you know, veteran. They're very proud, a lot of talent everywhere. I think they're going to play out for this game. I think this Tampa probably wins it, but I just think it's going to be one of those games where it's a little bit more of a struggle. They're not going to be getting into the 40s like they have been. Yeah. Um, I, I like it. I, I, looked, I looked at this one. Um, I didn't put it on the board because I didn't want to go against Tampa and TB12. But if, if I were to pick, it was going to be the Saints. I was a little discouraged from the performance last week by Crab and uh, in New Orleans. Kind of a weird game with the weather and stuff. But they that was the, that was the thing that really steered me away from them, how bad they looked last week. But if you um, if you force me to pick, I'm definitely going with New Orleans this one. And uh, I like it. I like the stance. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. I think, I think you'll do well. Yeah. So again, I, I think this is just a place where we talk about these big favorites. I don't think there's a game where Tampa, if you look at their schedule, they're not going to be the underdog the rest of the way. So you just kind of got to pick these spots where maybe they have a tough week. And I, I, again, I don't think they're going to be like shut down or anything like that, but I think they can at least be impeded by uh, a very good New Orleans defense that played him well last year and, and I think is going to want to play him again well this year so I'll take the five and a half with the Saints that's my final pick and we're done wow all right let's get to it what's your prediction okay so Michigan Michigan State um I'm do you want a gambling prediction or who's gonna win the game I guess both Okay, I guess I guess I'll say I think I think Michigan State will win a close game. Um, okay, which means they cover I, but, too. But I, I yes, correct. But I think this is the thing. I will say it's a it's a coin flip, and I think at the beginning of the fourth quarter, we're going to look at each other, and it'll be a coin flip at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Like I just I just okay. don't I just see it being a close game, and. Um, I think a lot of I think quarterback play will be a big part of it because um, 
that's the strength of Michigan State and not the strength of Michigan. I, j- I just think quarterback play is going to be a big part of this. And, and, and by the way, with two evenly matched teams, like in a game like this, turnovers and special teams are the biggest factor. Yeah. So, I mean, if, there, if there's some big difference in turnovers or special teams, oh, well, then, yes, of course, that team wins because that will screw up any game that is supposed to be somewhat close. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm with you on the – I'm not expecting much from from Michigan quarterback play. Like, I, I just I, – I don't see them making a difference. I see Michigan having a handful of drives where they – get to 10 or 15 plays and they get their three and four yards and they go down the field and they're going to score and they're going to get to know, somewhere between 17 and 24. That, that's what I see. And then, you know, the big question for me is what, what is Michigan state's offense going to be able to do? Is it going to look like Indiana where it was a complete struggle or are we going to see some big explosive plays where they, you know, they really get going and, and force, you know, force Michigan to pull back a little bit on the run, which opens up the 10th Walker. So, I think the key difference is going to be kind of Michigan State being able to get plays of, let's call it 20-plus, and they, they're going to have to have a handful of those, I think, to to get it done. But I, I just think the Michigan's going to do what we expect them to do, right? They're going to they're not going to throw the ball a lot. They're, they're, they're going to run. They're, 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 they're going to run. Run, yep. run, run heavy, and that's the biggest factor. If they're ripping off five, six-yard runs all the time, we're in trouble. Yeah, I don't think it'll be all the time, but I do. I mean, let's be honest. They're going to have a couple good drives, which gets them to that, like I said, 17 to 24, I think. And then you know, can, is Michigan State going to be able to you know, get some get some big plays that that allows them to kind of take over and, and win the game and, and make Michigan get out of that you know approach late in the game where they have to do something they don't want to do, where they can't rely on. Can I get them down two scores in the fourth by all the big plays that Michigan State gets? Enforce Michigan to have to throw where they, I think we both know, are just, it's not, they're not going to be good at it. They don't have receivers and the quarterback's not very good. It's just, right. And, and that, so. that's a big, that's a bigger factor too, where is if, if anyone, especially Michigan State, was able to get out to a, a two score lead, like you said, right. That would make it a different game for, for Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, if State is able to get out to a big, not a big, but like again, like a 13 point lead or something. Yeah. Like, oh boy, that they, yeah, if they who, get a couple of plays. Who could play from behind better? Right. Not Michigan. Not not Michigan. <laughs> yeah, right. So if they get a couple of those explosive plays that we've seen most of the year with the exception of the Indiana game, then yeah, Michigan's going to be going to struggle to, to keep up. So hopefully, hopefully we see a few of those early. Oh, pr- pretty good. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Well, uh, hey, uh, as always, this has been great. And, uh, hey, good luck to everyone Tuck out coming. there. Tuck coming. Tuck, Tuck coming. Tuck coming. Uh, everyone, good luck and, and have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time. All right. See you, Bob. Big game. Big, big game for the Spartans this weekend. I know none of you care. So, um, yeah. That's it. Episode 62 is done. Good luck out there to everyone, whatever you're doing, fantasy, gambling, uh, just watching. Just enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.